0: A couple of years ago, I decided that I wanted to try and run the Monument 10K. Anybody run the Monument 10K? Yeah, right. It's fun. So I thought this would be a great idea. I was 34 years old. I'm like, I'm going to run this thing. And um, I've never been a runner. I've never actually been much of an athlete at all. If you, I, I've been tall and thin. Generally, so so. If you had met me in college, you wouldn't have looked at me. You, you would you would have looked at me and you'd be like, that guy didn't even lift, bro. Like you you I you'd not have thought of me as a power lifter or an athlete of any kind. But you'd see that I'm tall and thin, and you'd go, well, he's probably a distant runner. But unfortunately, I'm not a distance runner either. I just wasn't good at that either. What I did in college was sing and play golf. Neither of which is very athletic. So there was that. So, so there I was. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this thing. I'm going to go run this race. And so I started running and I was getting this pain in my knee. It was just hurting, you know, mile after mile. It hurt my knees. And so I went to the doctor and I said, okay, can you fix this? I have this pain. Uh, it hurts. Uh, what, what can I do? And, he, and, and the doctor told me, the best thing you could do for your knee is strengthen your legs. Uh, if your legs would get stronger, it'll take the pressure off the joint in your knee. So the doctor's like, how about you work out? And I'm thinking like, how about you work out? I don't want to do that at all, you know? So uh, I, I decided to do it and I signed up and I, I got P90X and I did uh, 90 days of workouts, 60 minutes a day and uh, did that for 90 days. And I got in better shape. I got stronger and uh, it took the pressure off of my knee and I was able to run without, uh, without as much pain. And it 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 was one of the first times in my life that I learned this principle really sunk into me that there is freedom when you submit to discipline, when you put yourself under rules or boundaries. There's actually freedom that comes out of that. When I submitted to the discipline of exercising, the freedom that I got out of that was I was able to run without being in a lot of pain. And I've seen that principle play out in other areas of my life. I used to work at a church like 20 years ago, and when I arrived at the church, uh, The church was two years old, and we didn't have a budget. We just had money coming in, and then we would just spend it. And so as a staff member of the church and associate pastor, when I wanted to spend money, I would just go ask the senior pastor, and they would just kind of give me the thumbs up or thumbs down, like, yeah, we've got it, or we don't have the money. Um, And so uh, I would do that. And I thought that was great. And then about a year or two later after I'd been there, they said, hey, Chris, we want you to fill out a budget for your area, uh, a budget that you're going to live by, and we're going to work within that framework. And I was like, I don't want to do a budget. Like, why are you constricting the Holy Spirit? Like, God, you know, God just tells us, and we just kind of go with it. We just spend money, as you know, just kind of flow. And I thought, oh, this is so lame. We got to live under a budget. Why are we doing this? But it was awesome because I got under a budget and I lived under those constraints. And it's like it's like having some walls on the, on the perimeter. You go, hey, I can run as far, I can run all that I want inside this room as long as I don't go past these walls. There was something about that that was freeing that I didn't have to go to my boss every time I wanted to buy, you know, $20 or something. But it was like, no, it's in your budget. You just go with it. There is a freedom that comes from voluntarily submitting to and putting yourself under some form of discipline. And you maybe you've experienced that in your personal finances as well. And we teach that through Financial, financial peace here. Uh, maybe you've experienced this with food. You want to get in good shape. You want to eat well, so you voluntarily start eating other kinds of things. There's a discipline to, I'm going to eat this kale, not going to eat this food over here. And you may not always like that food or whatever, but, but something about submitting to that discipline, uh, it works out better for you, and you start to feel the freedom of being in better shape and being healthy. There's something really powerful about that concept and maybe you've experienced. I've certainly experienced it over and over. And, and, I, and what I think God's been showing me in the last eight or nine years on this idea is, is that when I try to do things my own way, when I'm like, I'm a grown man, I can do what I want uh, about whatever it is, and I go outside of what God wants me to do, uh, it just doesn't go well for me. Like, my, I, when I think my idea is better, this does not go well for me. But when I submit to what God wants me to do, even if I don't always like it, um, the results of that turn out better for my own life, and, and, and submitting to His will and following Him leads to flourishing. Um, and so I bring this up because we're going to look in the book of Colossians today. And we're looking at uh, we've been studying through the book that it's actually a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, which is in modern sort of south central Turkey area. Paul writes this letter to this church. And he has for the last, and we've been looking at this for the last six, seven weeks, he has been talking about who we are rooted in Christ, who our faith is, uh, what our faith is in, what is, what is our identity in, in God. And he's going to turn here in this last part of the book to relationships to talk about how our faith in Christ plays out in relationships. And so today we're going to talk about husbands, wives, parents, children, and then briefly we'll, we'll talk through sort of uh, what he says is slaves and masters, but the idea of, of bosses, and employees, um, and this is an important topic, um, and I know it is going to be a bit controversial. Um, and my prayer, as I've been putting this message together and sort of praying over this, is that what we say in here for the next twenty-five minutes or whatever, that this message will penetrate your heart, um, and that you will allow God to work on you through through what is being uh, said here. I am um, a husband. I'm a son. I'm a dad. Uh, I'm a employer, uh, and I've been an employee certainly plenty of times in my life, and I have blown it in all of those areas at various times. And so this is challenging stuff to me too. And so I want to, uh, uh, uh jump in on what God is teaching us through Paul's writing here. So let's go into Colossians 3. We'll start right away. Here we go. Colossians 3.18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting the Lord. I'll just let that one sit out there for a minute. Um, Okay that's 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 where that's where this starts. In the Roman Empire that he's writing in, in that context, you would have maybe this idea of submission to your spouse or um, maybe to the king, to Caesar, uh, to the authorities that are over you. Uh, if you're a slave, to your master, an employee, to your boss. You had some of that ideas. That, those ideas there that you would have to submit in that Roman Empire. And I think that, that is also true in, in our culture. And so Paul's going to say, he's been teaching us about our faith for the last couple of chapters, and he's going to say, okay, Okay in how are you going to live out your faith in these contexts? Let me start here. Wives um, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the lord um, this is a It occurs to me as I say this in two thousand and eighteen in America. This is a wildly unpopular idea um, submission not just in marriage but just all over the place like we don 't like the idea of submission, and we 've seen it abused honestly we 've seen people in abusive relationships and, and power plays and all that. So we don't like that. Historically, as a culture, we don't like that. Our country was founded by not submitting to authority and kicking out the English, right? Like that's, that's kind of how the country went. So we have this long history that submission is something we don't like. And to bring it up today, it's not something anybody wants to get into. And Paul starts and, and really aims this whole thing. He starts with wives. Well, let me tell you what this doesn't say. It doesn't say women submit to men. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say wives submit to any husband that you meet. It doesn't say that. It says wives submit to your husband. So there's a very narrow focus of what Paul's talking here, very specific. Wives submit to your husband. What is submission? Submission is voluntarily laying down your something, your power, for the sake of someone else. Um, think about it in, in how you submit in other areas of your life. In a workout schedule, you submit to that schedule. You say, I'm going to live by this schedule. I'm going to submit to that so that I can grow in, in, in these other areas. You submit to a diet, I'm going to eat this, not this, so that you can grow or maybe grow less uh, or whatever in these other areas. Think about it with a budget. I'm going to submit to that financially so that I can start saving and giving more and doing other things with my money. Um, it is voluntarily laying down your power in different areas. uh for for the great for the greater good. It doesn't mean you're powerless. So when wives say, wives submit your when when Paul says wives submit to your husbands, it doesn't mean that wives are powerless. In fact, it implies that you have power. That otherwise what would you be laying down? It implies your strength that there's something there that you have that he's calling you to lay it down. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're a doormat. It means you are, Paul is saying, wives voluntarily lay this down this power down for the sake of another there's something actually in submission that is very powerful George Washington when he resigned as the commander of the of the army here in Dece- on December 23rd 1783 up in Annapolis Maryland he gave up control of the army and um, you think oh that's that's kind of weird he's stepping away but he he was Willing to lay that thing down, and King George, who we were fighting against in England, got wind of the fact that Washington was resigning. And King George said, "This: if Washington does that, he will be the greatest man in the world. If Washington is willing to uh, lay down his power, what is King George saying? Uh, there's something powerful in the fact that this person would lay down uh, power that has been giving." Given to him, and, and, and similarly in marriage is a is a, is a powerful move to lay down what has been given to you and voluntarily submit to your husband. Now, how does Paul justify tell telling wives to submit? He says, "Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord." I had to look that up. As is fitting in the Lord, that phrase is the kind of phrase that Paul uses in his letters a lot, and it is shorthand for um, the gospel, or or as is fitting in Jesus, or something like that, or like, because of the gospel of Christ, you are to do this thing. Um, that, that's what he means when he says, as is, as is fitting in, in the Lord. You think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus is going to die... Before, right before his crucifixion, he goes to pray at the garden. His disciples are with him. They kind of go off and they fall asleep. He goes off by himself and he prays. And he's praying sweat and blood and tears because he knows he's going to die. And what does he say to his heavenly father? He says, um, if, basically, if there's another way to do it, let's do it that way. Because he knows he's going to be crucified. He knows how horrible that is. He says, but not my will be done, but yours be done. What is that? That is Jesus submitting to his father. It doesn't mean he's less than his father. It doesn't mean he's weak. It doesn't mean he's powerless. In fact, he's laying down his power. He's voluntarily submitting to this, this whole scenario that's going to play out. In fact, any time the gospel writers are pretty clear about this, Anytime you see Jesus around the crucifixion, he's walking towards it. He is orchestrating it. Um, he is willingly going to die for you and I. And so submission uh, it doesn't, doesn't, uh, it, it works differently because power works differently in the kingdom of God. We looked at this a couple of months ago. Back in January, we looked at this scripture. Jesus had pulled his disciples aside and was talking to them about power plays and the way power structures work in, our, in, in the culture. And listen to what he says in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 and 43. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles... Lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Jesus says, you know how the game works, you know how power plays work, you know how structures work, you know how hierarchies and pyramids work. It's not going to work that way with you. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, the power flows differently um, Greatness will be found when you voluntarily lay down and submit to, to, to someone else um, for, the, for the sake of God, when you, when you lay that power down. So Paul, when he says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord, he's leaning into this idea But there's another, he's leaning into the idea that that you submit to your husband because that's what Jesus does. Jesus also willingly lays down his power. But there's another idea kind of connected to this as is fitting in the Lord. Paul wrote Colossians, and then later he writes a letter to to the church at Ephesus, the letter we have is Ephesians, and he uses some of these same verses, but he expands them a little bit. So if you look at the same idea in Ephesians chapter five, listen to how he says it. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Meaning... When you submit to your husband, this is a way that you worship Jesus. You are submitting, you are worshiping Jesus, not your husband. When you you do this, that's that's what he's calling wives to do. You lay down your power. Don't dominate him. Don't try to push him around. Don't power play with him. You let him be the leader that God has called him to be in your home. Now, in both situations, in Ephesians and in Colossians, Paul talks to wives first. And I thought, why is that? I mean, is that coincidental? Like, what? why, why address this to wives first? Um, and, I, and I think it's this. Um, he can't, your husband cannot lead unless you're willing to follow. It doesn't matter how great of a leader he is. He will not be able to lead you if you're unwilling to lay something down in submission and, and follow him. Now, wives submit to your husbands. Is that a burden on on wives is that like oh man this is horrible and I can't believe that the scripture calls us to that um, I, I can understand why it may feel that way to some people it's dark in here but I can already see veins starting to like pop on your neck or whatever um, some personalities might might come by this pretty easily actually um, some personalities are. I'm more of a follower type anyway, so it's easy for me to say, oh, "I'll just submit to my husband and follow his leadership." Other personalities, like there's some women that are as strong, great leaders, and they're like, man, it's hard for me to follow him because he's not not as strong of a leader or whatever it is. Um, but whether it comes easy to you and you're like, "Yeah, this makes sense," or whether it's hard to you and you're like, "I want to, I want to buck against this whole system," um, we're still called to consider it and figure out how we can obey. Uh, the teaching and how we can follow after God and live out what He calls us to do. Now, what does it look like practically? Wives submit to your own husbands, because the devil's in the details, right? Like, what 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 does it mean in marriage? Um, author Tim Keller says it a certain way, um, and I really like his stuff. Uh, but in in this case, he says that in his own marriage to his wife Kathy, that. Um, Submission in marriage has looked like a couple times over the decades of their marriage. He has had he has had like tie breaking authority. So they disagree on something. He breaks the tie with that's what submission in marriage is. She lets him break the tie or whatever. Um, I don't know if that's helpful. I uh, I don't know if it's even biblical. I'm I'm not even sure. I can't point to a scripture and say yeah this is exactly how this plays out. I actually talked to my own wife and said okay um, let's talk about submission in marriage like how do you think this plays out? And she's like, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Um, and I said, yes, ma'am. And so that's how that played out. Uh, so no, I, we, we talked about it. But one of the things I, I looked at was uh, the fact that in our marriage, uh, there have been times where she defers to me and lets me lead out on things. So, even recently about whether we should buy a new car, um, I talk to her, we, we talk it through, consult or whatever, and then she kicks it over to me like, you make the call on this. And, 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 and I feel like that's a way of her sort of deferring to my leadership and, and letting, me, letting me lead out on, on some stuff. Um, and so that, that's one way maybe that it plays out in, in our marriage. So that may feel like a lot for wives and husbands. You've been sitting back, like, okay, you know, that's right. Uh, let me, uh, you need to recognize it's coming for you too. So let's look at let's look at the next verse. What does Paul say to husbands? Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. All oh, right, that's not bad, right? Cool. Because the, the way it sounds to our modern ears, you know, wives submit. What? Husbands just love them. Just love your wives. And we, it like, it just sounds so much nicer, doesn't it? It just sounds like, get her chocolates and don't be such a jerk. You know? Love your wife. Like, how hard is that? What's the big deal? Just be sweet to her and, and don't be mean. Um, but there's, there's more, there's much more to it than that. When Paul expands it in verse 25 of Ephesians, listen to how he says, 525. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay, wait a minute. This is way more than I'm just being nice and not being harsh. He's saying, your model husbands is Christ himself who gave himself up for the church. In other words, husbands, here's what I need you to do. Love your wives. How are you going to do it? You're going to selflessly and sacrificially lay down your life for her and your family. Your preferences. You're going to lay stuff down. You are going to, if need be, die for her. You're going to initiate, uh, when there's brokenness in the marriage, you're going to initiate and try to fix it. You're going to get in there, and you are going to be willing to be the one who lays it on the line to protect your entire families, your, your spouse and, and your kids. He points to men as dying for their wives. Now, this is a heavy thing. Paul, don't play. He's not playing around with this. This is so beyond, don't be harsh. Because we look at that, we're like, how hard is it to not be harsh? Actually, for a lot of men, that's pretty hard. Honestly, we have like some low-level rage like just beneath the surface, some anger. I don't think it's a shock to anyone. And I know this is a generalization. I know you can always think of exceptions, which kind of prove the rule. But, but, but uh, generally speaking, men are in touch with anger. Of all the emotions men are in touch with, anger is one that we can pull on pretty easily. Uh, Brene Brown says that most people can recognize three emotions when you ask them, happy, sad, or pissed off. Um, and I, I, I think men are a little more complicated than that. We have like the Crayola eight box of emotions. We got about, you know, red, blue, yellow. We got a couple. I'm angry. I, 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 there's happiness, sad, pleasure. I got, I got a couple, fear maybe, that I recognize. Whereas I've always said, uh, and, and again, generally true, not true in every single case, but I've always said that, uh, women are more like the 128 box of Crayola with the sharpener in the side, where, like, they've got all sorts of emotions. They've got emotions about their emotions. They've got burnt umber and sienna and all those, Sierra and all those other colors. Like, and I think that, uh, that men, and I've seen this in counseling relationships, I think men actually have all of those emotions also. We're just coached not to express them, and, 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 and we're not uh, valued when we express them, so we're kind of told, hey, keep these things down. But with some coaching, we can kind of bring those things out and, and become more aware. And a lot of men have anger underneath the surface, For for various reasons. And so, when, and and I think Paul recognizes that in the Roman culture, that was true. And I think in our culture, it's true also. And so, that's the thing Paul goes for. He says, Love your wives. Try this. Don't be harsh with her. Don't be harsh because underneath you, I bet you can pull up harshness very quickly. And so, that's the thing that Paul goes after. To wives, he goes after, you're going to want to power play him. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and that's gonna be the challenge for you and you're gonna wanna dominate him and I'm gonna tell you, back off of that. Submit to your husband. And to husbands, Paul says, you're gonna wanna be harsh and I'm gonna tell you, that's not gonna get you what you want. You need to love her sacrificially and selflessly. You need to serve her and, and not be harsh with her. I, there's definitely something reciprocal about this. When my wife does not submit to me and does not allow me to lead, and is not willing to follow, I, I get more harsh with her, and I don't love her well. And when I don't love her well, and I'm harsh with her, she finds it awfully hard to submit to my leadership. And in the same way, the opposite is true. When, when, my, when my wife loves and, and, and submits to me, and, and follows me well, and she's doing that well, and I feel respected, uh, I want to love her more, and, I, and I'm less harsh with her, and I want to serve her more, and, and uplift her more. And when I'm loving her well and serving her well, she finds it easier to submit to my leadership. Um, So husbands, uh, I don't want you to take the easy way out on this. I don't want you to hear this verse, husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them, and think, I should probably go be a little nicer. I'm going to let her choose where we go to lunch today, or whatever. Like, we got to go way beyond that, man. We're going to have to go way beyond that. You're the lead dyer in your family. You're supposed to lead out sacrificially for those people that are in your home. That's what God calls us to do. If there's a problem, you lead out in fixing it. If there's dysfunction, you lead out in addressing it. I don't know how many times I see couples go to counseling it's because the wife wanted to go and the husband did not want to go. That that can't be the way. If there's wolves wolves attacking, you need to see it and, 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 and be proactive in addressing it. Your wife is the queen. You are the enforcer. And so go after that stuff. Lead out um, in in your home. To sum all of this up between husbands and wives, I, I guess we could just say it this way. Act in a way towards your spouse that brings out the best in them. Husbands flourish when their wives deeply respect and submit to them. Wives flourish when their husbands are not harsh with them, but they are... Uh, selflessly, sacrificially loving and cherishing them. That's what following Christ looks like in marriage. All right, he's going to turn to a couple other relationships here. We'll do these fairly quickly. Verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children unless they become discouraged. Let me talk to kids for a second. Uh, children, your calling is to obey your parents they are put in place by God to shepherd you, to love you, to nurture you, to, to train you up in instruction and to know the Lord. Uh, and your call is to obey what they're doing for you. I know you have all the reasons why they're stupid and why you don't want to follow and obey them, uh, but they actually do know more than you and they're there to love you and and, and shepherd you and, and, and guide your heart. Um, and so that's what you need to think about. But since most people in the room aren't children, let me address this the parents a little bit. Um, I think it's very interesting here that when Paul goes to parents, he doesn't say mothers. He, again, he says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And I wondered about that. Why fathers? Can mothers provoke their children lest they become discouraged? Yes, mothers might do that also. But I would guess that in the Roman culture, mothers are more dialed into their kids And that fathers are doing the angry, harsh Roman soldier thing or whatever. uh, Of like what it means to be a man in, in, in glory, for the glory of Rome and all that kind of stuff. And so Paul goes after that and says, you need to dial into your kids. And don't be harsh with them either. Love them. Be engaged with them. This is what he calls fathers to do. Yes, mothers are supposed to do that as well. But how many relationships are burnt even today because fathers didn't do this thing? If you go to the Richmond jail today to all the men that are in the Richmond jail, a full 75% of them don't have a dad in their life. That's, and, and God bless those mothers who are doing everything they can to raise up those sons. But men need to stay dialed in. Society pays a, a huge price when men don't get dialed in to their own children. And I understand that. I, uh, my uh, my The example of my own dad, he did not want to be involved in my life. Uh, I'm, I'm the youngest of seven, uh, and my dad was not really involved with any of them. He could make kids, apparently. Uh, he just didn't know how to raise them. And when I turned close to teenage years, that's when he, when he checked out because he didn't know how to do it, and he, and he wasn't willing to step up. Uh, dads, um, note your anger. For me, my anger shows up too easily in my own home, and I sometimes direct it at the people who are most vulnerable around me, which is my children. And the Lord is working on me in that. Um, Dads, you have the greatest privilege in the world. You have the opportunity to help shape sons and daughters who will grow up and honor and follow the king. We always say, oh, these are my kids. They're not your kids. They're God's kids. And they're God's people. Um, You're not their owners. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador of Christ to your children. And they're not in your home for very long, if all goes according to plan. Uh, They're they're, they're not in your home for very long. So parenting is, is more like an occasion. And I just want to challenge you. Parenting is an occasion, so rise to it as dads, rise to that, that opportunity and that responsibility. Finally, he mentions uh, slaves and masters. And in the, in the Greco-Roman world, a lot of slavery, not all of it, but a lot of slavery was, was a bondservant kind of idea where if I went into debt and I had no way to pay off the debt, I could become your slave and I would have to work for you for free, and you kind of own me because I have a debt to you. And there's a lot of that in the Greco-Roman world. Again, not all of it, but there's a lot. And so when he says slaves and talks about slaves and masters, we, from our culture, hear that and we go, why doesn't Paul just tell the slaves to run away? They need to get out of there. Which is a little hard case to make in a conversation about submission in Christ, to say, lay down your preferences for the other. So instead what he says is, uh, slaves, uh, obey your masters and, and, and treat them well. And then he turns to masters, which would have been a very unpopular thing for him to say in this day and age. Masters, you, need to, you have a responsibility because of Christ to treat those who are indentured servants to you and to treat them well. Um, and that, that's, a, that's, an, that's an unusual idea for us to think about because we don't, we don't quite have slavery the same way. We have slavery for us like them. For us, it's like credit cards like we we can get uh enslaved to a credit card company in some ways um and and so uh, it's a, it's a little bit it's a little bit different But you could also make the employees and boss connection from that whole thing of how we're supposed to work in work relationships. Um, I'm not going to read it or get into it, but if you want to go back, I did an entire sermon on those verses, the end of Colossians 3. I did an entire sermon on that. I think it was October 29th. The sermon's called, This Job is Killing Me, because I know from talking to a lot of people that a lot of your jobs are killing you right now. And if you want to go back and listen to that, we can unpack that idea more of what submission looks like and what's going on in, in, in work culture. I think think this whole thing uh, is, in all of these relationships, we have to keep the big picture. The big picture is having faith in Jesus. Wives, submit to your husbands. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of what he does. Because of how he lays down his preferences. Husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of how he loves the church and lays down his life for it. These are high callings from God on our lives. Is submission hard? Yeah, it can be, for sure. Is laying down your life hard for someone? Yeah, I think so. Now, I know how all this lands. Um, I understand what country we're living in and what year it is. Um, And I understand that um, maybe even as I've been saying some of this, maybe for the last 20 minutes you have been somewhat listening to me and mostly composing an email that you're going to send me later about this. Um, So I would just encourage you to not do that. Um, Don't send me an email today or this week. What I would encourage you to do is maybe get the podcast and listen to this message again so you can hear my heart in this and let God do something in this and let it work on you. And maybe talk about it, if you're married, talk about it in your marriage. Say, hey, you know, how, how does this play out for us? And what are some ways that we could grow here? What are some ways we could be better? Um, w- w- maybe confess your shortcomings in, in all these areas. Let God work on you on this. And if you still uh, take issue with it, a week from now, after you've listened to it again, maybe you can email me then. Or... Uh, you could email the Apostle Paul at gmail.com and ask him, uh, since he wrote it. Um, I don't know if he checks it very often, but um, there you go. Um, it, it, it really struck me as I was preparing this message of how heavy this can be. And, and I'm fully aware of that. These verses have been used historically by Christians gone wrong to justify slavery and to justify mistreatment of wives and, and, and to just to do some abusive stuff. And, and power plays. These, uses, these scriptures have been used poorly. And, and we don't want to be in that situation. We have to get the overall point. How can I best honor and serve and be like Jesus in my marriage, in my parenting, and at my job? I think if we keep that in view, that bigger picture of how all of this is rooted in our faith in Christ, um, i think we 're going to be much more successful in actually living this thing out, and I think we will see the kind of flourishing that God wants us to have let 's pray, Lord Jesus. I thank you so much that um, for these for these verses, the challenge that is here, um, God helps us to take this stuff to heart to to figure out um, ways to better love and submit and honor one another and be respectful in marriage um, help us to do better with that. God, I pray right now for marriages in this room that are on the brink. There are marriages here that are, um, damaged. And there are people in this room that are considering leaving their spouse. God, would you do a work of healing in their lives? Will you not let another day go by that they don't get in front of a counselor, that they don't own their stuff, that they don't, uh, confess and bring things out into the open and, and start getting healthy. Um, God, I, I I truly believe for people who are married that their greatest opportunity for life uh, for lifelong health and happiness is to work through those issues and, and get it right and continue to grow uh, in the relationship that they're in. So I pray that um, you really help people to do the hard work and 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 change and grow and and flourish. Um, God, may we take these words of of yours that you wrote down for us through the Apostle Paul, and we take these words to heart and uh, build stronger families um, and make us all stronger employees and bosses as well who uh, lead and follow well. Thank you, Lord, for your example of your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.